0: Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass.
1: Frankie, did you
0: just say? She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with Whoops! Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-op... Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass.
1: Frankie, did you just say...
0: She sure did. Not to mention... (laughs) Along with... (laughs) Whoops... Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin now. Okay, let's begin now because it only makes sense.
2: Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and today I have as my co-host, as usual, hello, Mr. hello, Frederick. Goodbye. Hi, Bonjour. everybody.
3: Bonjour. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. So I'm going to um, – we have a wonderful guest. We have Dr. Andrea Labuti, who started the Autism Wellness Revolution to transform the lives of children with autism and their families. She's also the author uh, of Awakened by Autism, published by Hay House. And Dr. Labuti is also the mother of a son with autism, as well as being a board-certified physician specializing in emergency medicine. She says that her greatest hope is to empower families to take useful action to restore their children's physical and emotional well-being while embracing them with the love and acceptance they deserve. And it's a fantastic book, and we're going to talk about it in just a few minutes. Also with us is April, who has a son, Morgan, also on the autism spectrum, and Cerise, who has her son, Alexander, again on the autism spectrum. And both moms are going to share their stories a little bit later. But first, we need to talk to Fred, because we have a good news story, which is going to be aligned with the Global Goals united yeah. nations global goal so what do we got today fred
4: uh we got a wonderful little cute story from a wonderful little, cute boy i should <laughs> yeah. say or i don't know <laughs> all right uh, the title is teen proves he has soul gives homeless man the shoes off his feet and that happened uh it's a 14 year old guy 14 year old boy uh in louisville kentucky his name is Lauren Tunstill. And uh, he took his brand-new sneakers off his feet and gave them to a homeless man he met on the street. And, you know, he said to CNN, uh, you know, you could tell, like, he's been hurt so many times because he sat down and spoke to the person. He wow. spoke to, to, to the homeless person. And the soles were completely gone, like, underneath. He, he mm-hmm. literally has had his feet on the ground. And uh, what the boy did is took off his brand-new Nike Air Jordans. And he wow. gave them to the men. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody took a picture uh, of, of the moment and posted it to Perp, Perp Me's Facebook page on yeah. September 5th. And uh, the thing went viral. And a donor has bought him a new pair of shoes, basically. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool, you know. Perk That's very it...
2: special. Yeah, especially when young, young kids, you know, uh, usually they're kind of unaware sometimes. But here, here's a guy walking down the street, sees a homeless guy, and literally gives him the shoes off his feet. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I love that.
4: Absolutely. thank you let's get on to the interview
2: yeah well we have as as i said dr andrea labuti is with us she is a board certified emergency medicine physician and she wrote an amazing book called awakened by autism and i have to say i loved it welcome andrea welcome hello hi hi frankie thank you so much i appreciate the input I don't know if you were here when I introduced Fred. Fred's my co-host, and <laughs> I, we also have two other moms hi, who are going to join us a little bit later hi. in the show. Uh, really loved the book, and I have done a lot of shows on autism. I have to say through the years, and I was sure. so happy to read that it wasn't a one-size-fits-all.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so the opposite of that, really. Like, yeah, you know, all kids in general, but autism especially. You know, it, it,
2: you bring up a lot of topics in the book, and and one of them is is the idea of you know we are so socialized, and and we're expected to act a certain way, and when we don't act that way, you know we become embarrassed as parents, or we become uh, frustrated and in thinking, and as teachers, no, we need this child to you know assimilate. We need them to be like everybody else, and even right. even in the medical profession, you know, I I always had this kind of feeling that doctors are. Uh, are kind of tagged as as being non-curious. Like, they just, you know, just do what you're supposed to do. The drug companies come in, they tell you what to give, and, you know, you're a good little doctor, and you do what you're supposed to do. You're not really supposed to think outside the box too much. But, again, you know, here you you go, defying (laughs) the professions
5: all the way around. Yeah, you know, um, leave it to a child to, you know, prompt the change in me, right? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. you know, it's the it's the parents that are leading the, um, you know, the evolution, I guess, if you, if you will. Um, and, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than, um, not being able to help your own child. And so you, you start looking outside of the box. And, um, fortunately I practice emergency medicine. So of all the medicine I could be practicing from a Western standpoint, um, that's the sort of thing that I can do every, you know, when I go in, because it is really acute medicine. It's not like the, uh, you know, preventative and all the other stuff. So right. it worked out you well. You see
2: a whole spectrum of, of, of cases every time, I'm sure.
5: You yeah, know, you, you're going, yeah. You're going to see everything
2: from heart attacks to babies coming. The, exactly. the idea that, um, you know, statistics that you present in the book, I think it was something like, uh, uh, was it 60 years ago? It was 1 in 5,000 children had autism, and today it's like 1 in mm-hmm. 64. Maybe it wasn't even yep. that, that many years. Uh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. What
4: happened? Yeah. Why, why do you think that, that is? I mean it's
5: why do I think that no. is?
4: Yeah, yeah um, I mean well, you know?
5: Yeah well there's there's two answers to that. Um there's the um sort of um what's the right way? It's not really a mainstream answer, but there's the answer of, you know, we have a planet and um products and um, a way of living that is sort of toxic i mean we have a lot of pollution we have a lot of stress we have all these things going on and there's a body burden that accumulates in people Mm -hmm. and that body burden gets passed on to children and so then we have this you know uh spectrum of disorders and including you know allergies and asthma and diabetes and and um so-called autoimmune diseases that are all on the rise cancers too so that's sort of the you know, from the the physical standpoint, but then there's this bigger picture issue of what's going on, which is you know sort of woo woo for some people. Um, but there is a reason that these kids are here, and they're here to wake us up and help us.
2: Yeah, that's um, you know, I'm a metaphysical hypnotherapist. I should let you know, so I do Yay! I do understand where you're coming from on that on that uh, score. Although it is still out there for a lot of people that. To see that child as a gift rather than a burden.
4: Yeah. And you described
2: in the book, um, Andrea, how when you got that diagnosis, when Jack was diagnosed with, you know, um, with autism and it was kind of like, well, love him anyway. Just go home and, you know. Right. Do what you can. Right. Yeah. And and it was so discouraging. You know, you're a new mom. Mm -hmm. You're so discouraged by this. And I'm sure the other moms will, will probably tell a similar story when they come on. So what did you feel? You know, you and your husband talk then what was your conversation right after
5: oh um i don't think we spoke i think i just cried and cried like i couldn't even like i couldn't i couldn't wrap my brain around what to do next i literally just shut down for three weeks and i just cried and i'd sleep and i'd wake up and i'd be like oh no i want to go back to sleep and i just cry some more And um, he got really scared. He was like, you know, I think I I mentioned it in the book. He got really scared one night. It was like 3 in the morning, and I wake up crying, and he's like, you got to get yourself together. you got to get a grip. You know, I had a newborn baby Mm -hmm. and Jack at the time. Um, So it was, you know what, it was devastating. There's no doubt about it. You know, I can say that it's a gift now, but that took 10 years, maybe not quite 10 years, but it took a long time to get here. Um, kicking and screaming, um, but it was, it, you know, we we want our kids to be healthy, we want to see them married, we want to see them, you know, going to college and being happy, and, you know, that was sort of off the table when we got the diagnosis, it was like there was no way that was going to happen, so it was, like, really devastating, so I, I do not kind discount. Of scary is kind of is feel. that
2: in most of the cases that I've uh, read about, and I had, I don't know if you guys have seen um, uh, Life in a
4: Oh. Owen you're, bre- you're breaking, Frankie. Uh, the yeah. movie
2: about him, the documentary. Oh, sorry. The movie about Owen Susskind, who who um, had the documentary about him, anim- Life Animated, um, is that you have a seemingly normal child up until the age of, you know, 13 months or two years old, and then boom, they wake up mm-hmm. one day and and they're gone, and mm-hmm. so you don't even know
5: if it's going to happen to you,
2: and when it's right. going to happen.
5: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's scary. It's scary for parents, for sure. Yeah.
2: So is there,
5: are, are, there's no warning signs that, you know, something's going to come down the line here? Uh, what should we look for? Anything? Well, you know, there, it, there's not so much warning signs, but there's definitely, um, you know, there's genetic familial patterns that tend to be red flags for us, um, you know, as practitioners to say, your, your child might be at risk. So, you know, the best thing to do is, you know, if you're thinking about having a baby is, you know, trying to find out what these things are. And it really has to do with, you know, the immune system um, being um, hypervigilant. So families that have long histories of, you know, asthma and allergies, um, you know, uh, eczema, things that show that the immune system, you know, is sort of out of whack. Those are strong, um, you know, strong indicators that, You know, be on guard, you know, be on guard because there's um, they're going to be much more likely to um, take environmental insults, um, you know, um, poorly. Mm -hmm.
2: I want to I want to talk about all the body systems and and what you went into the book about, you know, how everything you know, what is one is compromised and how it works on the other. We're going to go to a, a commercial break, I think. What, in about a minute? 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that, Karina. We're going to go to a commercial break in 30 seconds, but when we do come back, I definitely want to talk about uh, our bodies and what parents can do to, you know, help control or, or help eliminate some of the things that these kids uh, find disturbing, the allergies maybe that, they're, that they have and uh, what we can do to yeah. recognize and, and help them. We'll be sure. right back. Don't go anywhere.
0: We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. uh. Do you ever
6: wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness, more self-love and less self-loathing, more joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
7: To get the most nutrients, is it better to cook vegetables or to eat them raw? The answer is not black and white. Some nutrients in vegetables, like tomatoes, are actually enhanced during the cooking process. A study by Cornell University found that heat increases lycopene levels and makes it easier for the body to absorb this vital antioxidant. But research from Food and Nutrition Science found that raw vegetables contain higher levels of antioxidants. Cooking methods decrease water-soluble nutrients such as vitamin C and can drop vegetables an important nourishment for the body. The bottom line, whether vegetables are cooked or raw, you'll get more benefit and nutrition from the vegetables you eat than the ones you don't. Consuming five to nine servings of vegetables a day is the best approach. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
2: And we're back. Thank you for sticking around. I am Frankie Picasso. This is Frankie Sensen-Moore. Frederick and I are talking Hello. to Dr. Andrea Labudi right now. And her book, again, is Awakened by Autism. She is also, uh, she started the Autism Wellness Revolution, and uh, that's something interesting. Now, one of the, one we were talking about allergies and systems and body systems that mm-hmm. uh, break down. And in the book, you talked about, you know, if, if a child is walking on their tiptoes, that that could be associated with, what body system
5: well you know there's never one answer for every kid but there's um you know there's it's a clue so the vestibular system has to do with where a child feels they are in space and um uh having spoken um to parents that have had kids that would do certain behaviors once they were recovered and being able to talk to them they would give us a lot of insight like well, I never really was quite sure where I was. So we would get information and input, um, you know, based on what they were doing. They were spinning around and around or, you know, watching ceiling fans or jumping up and down. Um, and, you know, while each child is different, there seems to be some patterns. So the vestibular system is a big one, you know, part of the nervous system, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is out of whack. So, um, you know, a lot of their sensory systems are hyperacute, so they have a hard time dealing with, Everything that's um bombarding them at once, um so a lot of their behaviors are aimed at soothing the bombardment from all you know from their five senses
4: right. let me ask you this let me let me ask you this how does you have a very, you have a very holistic approach to mm-hmm. autism yeah. how yeah. does it differ or enhance or complements the western approach you know what i mean well, or
5: well, you know what? There's not really a, a, a Western approach to autism other than okay. <laughs> um, there's, there's one drug that's FDA approved, and that's respiridol. Um, and that's an antipsychotic drug. And, you know, there's no doubt that um, there's um, a use for it um, for some people. Um, and, um, you know, there's the behavioral intervention therapy. That's sort of it. So, um, probably. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I developed my holistic, um, you know, bag of uh, of goodies and, and therapies is because there wasn't anything um, that Western medicine was giving me. So, um, you know, really looking at um, what are some safe, efficient things that, um, you know, will help me help my child, um, you know, all leads back to Mother Nature mostly. Well,
2: one mm-hmm. thing about you is that you are in a position to meet all of the people that you needed to meet, all of the research that you did, you could go and meet that research scientist, you could go and meet that doctor, and you did it. Like, you were diligent about, you know, anything and everything, I will try it. And it yeah. worked for a few minutes, and, and then it didn't work anymore. And that has to be really frustrating, because you think, oh, yeah, I'm onto it now. Oh, no, now it's back to normal again. Oh, so you did oh, meet somebody who, who became your mentor. Can you tell us about yeah. him?
5: Yeah, Sidney Baker. Um, he was one of the, the founding fathers, so to speak, um, with Bernie Rimland and John Pangborn, three guys back in the, I want to say probably the late 70s, early 80s, that um, formed the organization called Defeat Autism Now, or DAN. Um, they were very big and active up until a few years ago um, doing conferences, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, where parents could come and learn about all the biomedical treatments Um, and science behind, um, you know, some of the um, uh, impaired, you know, immune system, central nervous system, digestive system. So Sidney Baker just happened to live one town over from where I was living, and, um, you know, I took Jack to him. He was the first person I took took Jack to after the developmental neurologist that we saw, and um, he just took me under his wing. He said, you know, come on, sit down with me. We'll see patients together. I'll teach you everything I can so i learned a lot about all of the um physiology of you know we call it the biochemical train wreck all of the things that get um derailed um when when kids with autism um you know manifest autism so it was really um he's still a good friend a very dear friend to this day um, you know Sidney baker yeah he's been wonderful he's still in practice
2: what now you is, even sorry fred i just yeah, want to mention she she even implemented a hyperbaric chamber in her home which cost you like (laughs)
6: $20,000,
2: and it seemed to work for a little bit. (laughs) You know. You're a mom. Hey,
5: I would do the same
2: thing.
4: Yeah, yeah.
5: (laughs) I did. I found a way to get that chamber. I found a a credit card that I could have a $20,000 limit on, and I put it on there. Um, God bless you. (laughs) You know, it's it's understandable. People, you know, all of these things that I tried worked beautifully for some kids. They really did. So, of course, how do you know? We don't know because everything was so new and experimental. And as long as it wasn't going to hurt my child, I was like, okay. Um, you know, I knew enough about hyperbarics just from being an emergency medicine doctor, understanding how right. you put, you know, divers that gets the bends in. And I knew enough that it was safe. But, yeah, I I definitely tried, I don't want to say everything, but close to everything. Um, and, yes, when we did the hyperbaric chamber, there was, something profound that happened to my child in a positive way. And I think, again, I mentioned it in the book where, you know, that forlorn look where he wouldn't look at the camera, he looked through the camera, just kind of sad look on his face. He started smiling within three weeks, like smiling ear to ear. I have those pictures, you know, up in my house because they're just so beautiful and he's so connected and it sort of faded away then. And it was just like, Oh, You know, what did I have that I don't have now? What did I touch on that I just lost? Um, So it was bittersweet.
4: What is is the difference between autism and mental retardation?
5: Um, Completely different. So um, I'm not an expert on mental retardation, but the interesting thing about autism is, you know, even the seemingly severely affected kids, like the nonverbal, like profoundly labeled autistic. Many of them, I can't say all of them, but many of them, many, many of them are actually intellectually intact. So they have this mm-hmm. disconnect between their intelligence and their brain and what their body will actually do. It's almost like there's, you know, well, we sort of know now there's, you know, layers of toxins and things that are kind of blocking their brain from talking to itself. So so many kids with autism have these very... Um, uh, genius-like skills and abilities, and I'm not just talking about, like, savant skills, but, but you know, profound areas of intelligence, whether musically, artistically, um, mathematically, visually, um, where, you know, mentally retarded, um, you know, either um, some sort of a, a chromosomal defect where, um, you know, the, uh, the ability, um, you know, for the IQ to go up is not really existent, um, versus um, a child with autism who's sort of trapped inside probably a very intelligent brain. Um, so that's really important, and that's one of the reasons that I'm so invested in doing this, because I feel like there's all these trapped, intelligent minds out there stuck in these autistic bodies, so to speak. Um, and there so are. And then what's so different. interesting
2: is that they, they've checked out for a little bit. They're in their world, but then sometimes they come back into our world, and they're just like, yeah. they just go. It's like, you know, yeah. they run, right? Yeah. And they're just like yeah. everybody else again, mm-hmm. which is really incredible. Yeah. Now, Fred is going to be a new dad. We know that. <laughs> ah. yeah. So, but one of the things that you said in your book, um, Andrea is is about the um, the placenta, the, the afterbirth, you know, in the placenta they're, they're finding like what, like 260 different toxins or something. Like yeah. they're doing tests on it and and that's, you know, just the chemicals and the water and the and the mm-hmm. mercury and all that stuff that we inhale from pollutants, that's all in right. there, and that's all affecting right. our children. And probably one of the biggest, uh, I would say, um, controversies that we need to talk about is is getting um, their childhood shots, you know, is, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. Now, you're not totally against that. I mean, nobody wants tuberculosis and all those pertussis and all that stuff to come back, right. but I think you, you were you
5: were – Saying you don't have to get it all at once, and you don't have to get it all in one shot. Yeah, yes. I mean, one of the the best advice I can give new parents, and trust me, I get this question all the time: friends, family, friends of friends. What do I do? You gotta do it. um, You you know, it it depends. Number one, is the child going to be in daycare or is the child going to be at home? If the child's going to be at home, really, the safest way to do it is to wait as long as you can. Um, There's certain you know. There's there's certain ways to do it so you're protecting the child about, against the most deadly things like haemophilus influenza B, which causes epiglottitis. So there's certain things that you want to do when they're younger and then space them out because the newborn or the one-year-old's immune system really isn't um, strong enough to take everything, you know, for, for this population anyway. You know, sure, plenty of people sure. are. But for this, you know, sensitive population, um, spreading things out and um, doing things, individually will give their immune system a chance to mount the response without being overwhelmed by, um, you know, preservatives and other things, um, you know, that it's, uh, that it's got to process.
2: Now Mm -hmm. we're going to go to a commercial break shortly, but you had a bat in the house and that bat Mm -hmm. was in Jack's room. And before, you know, anything happened to Jack. And you had to make that decision that he was going to need um, rabies shots and getting his, his childhood needles. And after, what, the third shot, something, that's when you kind of didn't, nothing, the first three were okay, and then after that, it wasn't so good for him?
5: Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last two shots, because it was five, now they go down to four for babies. But the the fourth and the fifth shot, he had this weird sort of seizure-like activity while he was sleeping, and it just got more and more pronounced. Um, from, you know, the fourth one to the fifth one to the childhood shot. So there was something irritating, you know, his central nervous system. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it was really scary. It had, you know, the, the worst was 12 hours all night long, him just spasming all night long, um, you know, and kind of... So do you think it and,
2: exacerbated something that was already there or that it was the cause of, of the breakdown in, in his system?
5: You know, it's a... It's, it's, egg, so it, it's, you know, it's like a tipping point. So, you yeah. know, the, you know, I was an older parent, so I've got more of a body burden. I'm going to pass it on to my child, you know, so there's mm-hmm. a, a you know, my husband was an older parent, so we have mm-hmm. a higher accumulated load. Um, we give it to our children and, you know, rabies at six weeks old for five shots yeah. this is a heavy duty sort of thing. So it's, you know, again, why it's so different for everybody. What's the body burden? What's the genetic or, pre, you know, predisposition You know, what is the immune system like? What is the central nervous system like? What have we got? You know, what kind of genes did we get? So that does play a role in terms of the predisposition. Um, So it's just tipping points. You know, what's the tipping point going to be?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I love how in the book, I don't know if I said it or not, because I I probably said it to somebody, but you you know, you said if you've seen one case of of autism, you've seen one case of autism. And that's really telling. That's, you know, extremely telling. And, and, and it's yeah. a good way to look at it, really, because then you're not saying, oh, you've got this. We're putting you a label on you. We're putting you over on side A, and that's where you're going to sit for the rest of your life. Um, right. And that's not what you right. did. And I love, you know, we're going to come back. We're going to talk to the two ladies who are waiting, you know, to tell us their stories. But um, I want to talk about the metaphysical and about the work that you did uh, with a shaman, which is so interesting. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. the, how, how it affected you and Jack. So we're coming right sure. back in just a few
0: seconds. All right.
2: Don't go away, Fred and April and Cerise and Andrea were all here.
0: Wait we're for just you. getting warmed up. Frankie, Sense, and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Order.
1: years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000 year old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes the mud protected the ship from wear explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition we land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen
0: it's margin
1: I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app too funny for word
0: it's margin
1: Did you know that having one hand in your pocket is considered arrogant in Turkey? My husband and I felt like goostrum noodles when this was pointed out to us while we were visiting in Istanbul. A goostrum noodle is a foolish person. What is seen as common behavior in one country is frequently considered bad manners or rude in another country. For example, while most Americans sit in the back seat of a taxi, in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland, and the Netherlands to sit in the back of the cab when the front passenger seat is available is considered rude. In Japan and South Korea, tipping is seen as an insult. And in China and in India, it is considered greedy to tear into a gift in front of the giver. What's another word for a person with bad manners? A snort. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words. you never heard vocabulary with my new app too. Funny for words.
2: Hello, and we're back. I am your host, Frankie Welcome. Picasso. If you forgot what you're listening to, it's Frankie Sense and more. And now we're going to meet two moms. April Roga, uh, her son, Morgan, age six, is on the autism spectrum. And Morgan is nonverbal. He's delayed both de- developmentally and cognitively. And she is going to tell us her story. April, tell us your story. Hi, April. Hi. Welcome.
3: <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Um, actually my journey started early on. I was one of those fortunate moms who, uh, noticed, even though he was my first and only child and I started late, I know you guys were talking about starting late in life. Um, I think I was like 36 when I had him. So, okay. uh, yeah, I didn't even know what was normal for an infant and what wasn't, but my mom was pointing out as moms do all of these things that he wasn't doing that he should be doing, turning over, holding his own bottle, pulling himself up. Um, and so this is there, like at three months old, you're already seeing things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. it was when I got home from the hospital, his days and nights were totally flipped. And you know how they tell you when you have a newborn, oh, if they cry, don't pick them up. Right. <laughs> I did, and it still didn't help. He would just cry and cry, and there was no amount of comfort that would get him to stop. Okay. That didn't make sense to me. So we just, all these things coming together, we started investigating early on. And um, I went through this, every state has the early intervention um, where if your child meets certain criteria, they can get free services Mm -hmm. before age three. And so, my doctor and some other people told me about that, and he started getting into therapy programs at like age two and by age three or just before he turned three, he was diagnosed as being on the spectrum and he he wasn't talking then, and he still doesn't talk now, and he's just turned six in may
4: tell now, us you, about tell, oh, tell, us a little, tell us a little bit about what you know your your how it went for you psychologically? Like, what did you go through? You know, when you when they told you that he was on the spectrum, and you know, what went through your mind?
3: Well, um, I initially, I when when I heard autism as a possibility when we were going through the therapies, was when I was resistant and in denial. No, that can't yeah. be my child. But because we were going through the process so early on and talking with different people, they were. I think they knew that I was in denial, and so they were kind of being gentle and working us up towards the autism diagnosis because they knew okay. that would be the ultimate diagnosis, but they they told us that he might have sensory processing disorder, and I think they thought that might soften the blow, oh, Okay, <laughs> and it really did because it gave us time to kind of adjust to the idea, so... For me, by the time he was diagnosed, I think I literally mourned for 24 hours, and then I let it go because I knew that wasn't going to serve my son well. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, your son had did he? You know, he showed head banging and physical aggression. Was it physical aggression against you or objects in the house,
6: or?
3: Well, he head bangs when he's usually if his stomach's bothering him or there's something okay. it's, he gets frustrated because he can't talk, and that's his outlet. And, um, I don't even want to say, I didn't know what other thing to say besides aggression, because that sounds like violent, but I mean, he, he kicks, Mm -hmm. but he's only doing that now as he gets older and he's more aware cognitively. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, just like with anything, babies, puppies, animals, whatever, like we get to understand and, 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 know our, our child, what they, you know, what a cry means and what an action means. And so do you feel like you're intuitively in tune with your, with your son now, you know, what these things yes. are?
3: Yes. And I, that's something that I'd love to like kind of share with other parents is to really tune into your child because they get so caught up in therapies and all the resources available that I think they forget to like take time and smell the roses, so to speak. And just, connect with their child
4: mm-hmm. do, do you have do you have to kind of do you have a vision for your child you know what i mean like you can say okay he, he may have a autism or or you know spectrum or what you say because you know many people say well you know you won't have meaning you won't have this but as a parent do you have a vision like no he's gonna have meaning and he's gonna you know because it starts with a parent i think mm-hmm
3: Yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) I I don't see any limitations for him. I just, I refuse to go there in my own head. And I just, every day I take day by day and I, you have to plan for your future, but I just don't get caught up in what if he's doing this when he's 18 or not doing this when he's 18 and cross that bridge type of mentality. Yeah
2: that 's awesome uh, let 's meet cerise. cerise your son Alexander is a fraternal twin he 's four years old. You said that um, he he developed his twin developed um, typically normally but but Alex never reached any of his milestones and I love that you said that you know uh, the hardest part about being a mom of a child with autism is helping others see that he 's not broken or disabled and you say he 's beautiful affectionate funny joyful intelligent he 's one of your greatest teachers, um, but at thirteen months old he started to lose his word, stopped his eye contact, and would not answer to his name.
6: Right. Hi. Hi. Yes. Hi. Uh, <laughs> mm. My twins uh, were actually premature, uh, okay. but only Alex ended up needing any help. He was in the NICU for 10 days, um, and Kenny, his brother, just was fine. He was just ready to be out. So Alex was the one needing help. And he was on a CPAP machine and um, had some digestive problems, which continued. uh, And he was pretty small. So I wore him a lot and Mm -hmm. cuddled him close. But he, he always was a little bit delayed in his reaching his milestones. And they kept telling me that was because he was premature. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when he was around 12 to 13 months, he started losing words, uh, stopped eye contact, like you said, stopped responding to his name. And I immediately knew he had autism. Mm-hmm. Um, so my story is a little bit different, I guess, in that way. I knew it was autism. And then I was on the mommy bear warpath to go make sure he got everything he could get to help him in any way possible. Our, um, pediatrician told me, uh, he, I was crazy. He did not have autism. So I switched pediatricians and I found somebody who would So yeah. what I saw. Um, you know, I, I went to my husband and I said, honey, I think our son has autism and we're going to have to, you know, probably be advocates for him in this. And he took some a little bit of convincing as well. And family, you know, thought I was nuts. But we ended up starting with the early intervention program here in our state. And he started getting therapy around 14 months old. Uh, He got occupational speech therapy and physical therapy. And um, he wasn't diagnosed until he was two and a half, but we had those therapies through that time and still continue to get them today.
2: And you say you're an inspirational singer. Congratulations. And that in songwriter and
6: that you sing a lot with him and he likes to sing back. He does. Um, He actually sings with me or if I stop singing, he'll fill in the words. Um, He was nonverbal until about two and a half. And then he started speaking and he has hundreds of words now but most of them are labeling. So he'll label everything he sees, but doesn't use words necessarily to communicate often. So that's really what, what we work on is trying to get him to use those words to communicate. And he's getting better, you know, the more we work with him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I am a busy mom, so I, I do leave a lot. I work seven days a week. I'm a full-time real estate agent and a part-time singer and songwriter and, um, you know, out making a CD and doing all this stuff. But uh, I'm grateful that I get to rearrange my schedule the way I need to for his therapies to make sure that he gets everything he needs, uh, which, you know, he has 42 hours a week of therapy. So we we really have to, you know, kind of work our schedules around that and make sure he's getting everything he needs.
4: How did I your have- entourage react when, when you know, did you have support from them? Did, were they judgmental or this is a question for April Series. you know, I- how... Mm -hmm.
6: I would definitely say that people took some convincing because I think I saw subtle signs before anyone else saw them. Mm -hmm. And to most people at 13 months old, him rocking and, you know, sitting with a toy wasn't as odd as I thought it was. Um, But but they were all supportive once, especially once he started therapy and we started to see changes in him. We had so much support and I, you know, my husband has been a big advocate for, for making sure everyone understands that while he has autism, it's not, it doesn't make him less than, we just have to talk to him differently, approach him differently. He just needs more in certain areas than, than a typical child might need, but it doesn't make him less than anyone else.
4: Yeah. April?
3: Yeah, no, I, I my family and friends have all been very supportive throughout mm-hmm. and, but I know a lot of people who are in a different position with their families. I really feel for them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Andrea, jump in here now. Yeah. <laughs>
5: thoughts. My thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, love, love three, your um, attitude. Um, you know, it's, It's not many parents that have the, you know, no limitations attitude. That's, like, what I'm trying to help parents come to. So, yay that you're that kind of parent. And, um, you know, uh, looking at these kids as, um, you know, differently abled – You know, while some parents say, well, that's great, I still want a normal child, if we look at them differently abled without limitations, we just have to understand there's there's ways to support them and help them in the best ways we can, but then there's this other part of them that can be cultivated and, um, you know, um, brought out. So they have these strengths that we don't even know about yet and, um, you know, no limitations. I don't know, that just kind of stuck with me. That's just such a beautiful way to think about these kids
2: yeah in april you um i mean i, I saw you have a, a hotline that you talk to other women and and help them <laughs> i love that oh that's awesome that that's pretty cool the so have all of you have both of you you know done dietary changes and and, and looked at you know i know dr um, Labuti, she she got rid of all of the cleaning products in her house. She just uses vinegar and, and, and you know, Castile soap, which is what I do, mm-hmm. too, because I don't like chemicals. Um, but you really mm-hmm. kind of try to, and, and shampoos, and really try to maximize the, the, um, the limit that any more toxins are going to reach your kids. And you're, you even had to sell your house because you had black mold. Like, you didn't even know that. Like, that's crazy how it was affecting all of you.
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was
4: something else. <laughs> but yeah, we had we had a lot of uh, asthma, a lot of problems. Yeah. Did do other of you uh, all? Uh, all of these. Uh, um, go ahead, Fred. We're going to no, go to no, break just, in, in a minute. Yeah, it was just a quick, quick, silly question. But do, uh, all like is vinegar as good as all the cleaning products? Because I believe yeah. all the natural stuff is is as good. Oh yeah, I <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's it works it, it works beautifully and then you don't have to worry if you drop food on the counter and and pick it up. It it's beautiful. It does, it does the job. Definitely. It yeah. does the
2: job and and it sterilizes too if you leave it long enough. I mean it it is a Oh, awesome. really? Yeah. We're going to go to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come back and talk about more more great stuff about autism and parenting and, and not cures, but help. Frankie's so let's
1: more. let's do that. We'll be right back
0: after we pay the bills. Water. Never heard.
1: So last night, my husband was laughing as he was reading about the differences between men and women. According to the article, men get single tusks or hiccups more often than women. Everyone knows that women are better at multitasking than men. I'm good at both multitasking and procrastinating. Which means right now there are 28 things that I'm putting off until later. What's another word for a person who puts everything off until the last minute? A cunk Women blink nearly twice as much as men. And while men can read smaller print than women, women can hear better. In fact, when a woman says, what? She heard you. She's just giving you a chance to change what you said. It's you I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never
7: heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
7: It's a fact that working out for 30 minutes a day will improve your health and make you feel oh so good. But if you are on a quest to lose weight, you should be looking to exercise aerobically for 45 minutes to an hour. I know that may sound daunting, but it's really not. You don't have to kill yourself to keep your heart rate up for 45 to 60 minutes. I know people who put their iPod on and walk for an hour a day. Consequently, they are losing weight, increasing their energy, and feeling great. On the other hand, if you're like me and want to maintain your present weight, then 30 minutes of cardio a day is perfect. The benefits of cardio exercise are vast. And even if you're not trying to lose weight, it is necessary and vital to your health. So schedule in your cardio exercise six to seven days a week and watch your health, energy, and outlook on life improve. I'm Annette Hammond. Well, we're coming back now.
4: <laughs> okay.
2: I think we're back. I barely heard my tunes, but I think we're back. And I am Frankie Picasso. Frederick Bay is my co-host. We are listening to Frankie Sense and more, and more good things on about autism. Um, Dr. Andrea, we I wanted to talk, touch touch base now on on the spirituality aspect. You you sure. went and visited a shaman. You. <laughs> I looked at alternative therapies, and it's interesting because it really, you know, when you connect with the higher self, and, and people, I think, are, are knowing what that means today more and more, mm-hmm. um, you know, you wanted to heal yourself. And I, I think that, th- that these children, they, because of their hypersensitivity, they do respond to energy. They do feel energies. And, and so when you are in a better space, I think they're in a better space. So you, did you notice after your own uh, therapy Let's say um, with a shaman, and you did, and you took Jack too to the shaman. But with yourself, did you notice that he was different when you came back? Different.
5: Yes, and um, you know, one of the, you know, this is an ongoing work in progress. um, As you know, we all try to, um, you know. get rid of some of our baggage and sort of raise mm-hmm. our vibration, so to speak. Um, but, you know, all kids pick up on things and kids with autism are hypersensitive. So they really pick up on things. And I think one of the most important things that a parent can do is, you know, work on themselves, get rid of the fears, get mm-hmm. rid of the limiting beliefs, because, um, feel you know, that. let's I face guess. it, what's up?
4: No, I just said they feel that, I guess.
5: Mm hmm. Yes, definitely. And they're going to be more willing to participate in this world when it feels safer and it feels more comfortable and it's less judging and it's not fearful. Um, so, you know, coming from that place is super important um, as a parent. And it happens, you know, as time goes on. It's like it's just my son is the perfect barometer of everything that, that I'm evolving to. He really is.
2: That's, that's incredible. So the first time you went to see Shaman, do you want to share that story? Oh, sure. What she, what, um, that's a great story. Yeah.
5: So this was um, this was a shaman that we found in Vermont after reading The Horse Boy, which is a story by Rupert Isaacson with his son. They were looking for shamans in Mongolia to heal their son. And so I found the shaman in Vermont, and we went up there. And, um, you know, we met with her. She did some things in the office, and it was like, okay, well, I'm going to come to the place that you're staying. This is what she's telling us. And I'm going to work on your son while he's sleeping. So shamans work with, like, soul fragmentation and and different things with, you know, splitting of the soul and personalities and stuff. So she's with Jack doing things for a couple of hours, and she comes into the kitchen, and she sits with us. And she tells me something that really changed my life. Um, so she 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 looks at me, and she says, your son is in a constant state of trying to return to the ecstasy of death. And that was really disturbing to me at the time. Because um, I didn't, I didn't have any sort of spiritual um, understanding, and mm-hmm. things just unfolded within the process of the year. I don't know if you guys remember Jill Bolte Taylor and my stroke of yeah. insight. Did any of you guys, you know, she yes. he has this experience of being in this euphoric nirvana, and that's what the shaman was telling me about Jack. Like he's in this place of of striving for that euphoria and nirvana. And, um, you know, fast forward a year, looking at all these, you know, near-death experiences and that same sort of pattern happening, um, it sort of opened me up spiritually to um, the bigger picture. You know, I've always believed in God and had a relationship with God, though I wasn't raised in an organized religion specifically. Um, But this was just like this big opening for me. Um, And it made me understand that these kids are sort of, you know for lack of a better word but like vibrating up here and we might be Mm -hmm. vibrating down here and if you raise your vibration up they will they will bring theirs down a little and you can kind of meet in the middle but that's what they're looking for from a spiritual perspective they 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 don't want to be like that they want us Mm -hmm. to be more like them if you can believe that
4: well why wouldn't we (laughs) And, and what and what good and what good did that do to your child you know what did it do what difference did you notice
5: well you know there's always been as time's gone on these you know we have these little breakthroughs of connection the best thing i can describe is connection and you know the other thing i can say is that you know my son is 12 and a half and um you know a lot of kids at this age where they go through puberty and whatnot aggression gets worse and and anxiety my kid is so happy and he's always been happy and he's he, he's fun and he's happy and he jokes a little bit. It's it's like I don't have to experience all of those trials and tribulations. And it's not because you know he's autistic. It's because he's really centered and balanced. And the more yeah. I become centered and balanced, I can just see it in him. The more he opens up, you know. Now you attributed some a, of
2: that to the sunrise
5: program. Yeah. What is that? What was? What yes. did? What did well, they do there? Well, the Sunrise program is, um, very simply speaking, it says, listen, you got to meet your kid where they are. You've got to say, to heck with what I think he needs to be doing. Get down on their level and say, I'm going to let you do what you're doing. I'm going to love and accept you where you are. And when you're available, then I'm going to try to pull you towards me. But only when you're available. I'm not going to force things. I'm going to let you lead me. And so it creates this love and acceptance. It creates this... um, you know, attitude and feeling of everything's just fine the way it is. And so instead of, like, needing your child to be a certain way, you let go of all that. And it doesn't mean you don't want them to be a certain way, but you no longer are tied to that, like, that anxiety and that stress of, oh, if he doesn't do this by then or if he doesn't do Mm -hmm. this by then, you know. So it eliminates the anxiety and the stress, and they rise. They rise to the occasion. They do. And and your son went leaps and bounds back into this world
2: from from that program.
4: Should, shouldn't oh, we be like gosh. this with all of our children? Like, yes. not just autism. Awesome, like, I yeah. agree, Fred. Yeah.
2: We should we should yeah. celebrate them who they are. And it's this this you know problem about the socialized world. We're so concerned about yeah. how people think and what yeah. what you know they're going to think about you as a parent and your. Child's acting a little bit strange or different. Uh, we should celebrate their strengths, you know.
4: Well, how, how did uh, how did it uh, make you a better doctor?
5: Um, you know, it's not what you would think. At least I don't think it's what you would think. Um, what you know? What one word? I have so much more compassion for people. I do not look at people. I, like I don't get that you know, Oh, they can't help themselves. Oh, you know, um, uh, you know, the best way to describe it is I just have this, I I look at people and I see the struggling and I see the pain and suffering that we all go through on our, in our own, on our own journeys. And I just, I just have like a hundred million times more compassion for everybody that I meet in the hospital. I, it's, it's the most profound thing, and it makes me so much happier. It makes patients happier. I just have a different relationship with my patients now. I don't know that's, why that is, other than he's opened my heart. You know, my son has opened my heart.
4: That's and what, what what kind of jobs can an adult with autism do? You know what? Well, can they do?
5: I'll, I'll tell you this. I think that the jobs that that people with autism, I don't think they necessarily exist yet. I think they're special talents and abilities which we are just starting to discover um, are 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 going to require new fields and new industries you know i just wrote an article in the huffington post about this like i just discovered that my son has a visual spatial aptitude in the 99.9th percentile so that means that he can see big picture his 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 thought process is extremely fast so you know what we do today is more, you know, is slower. it's slower. It's almost like there's, you know, they have these, like I said, these unique strengths that He's we can't really even of understand. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, yeah, and so I think that to him new, things are, yeah, new things are gonna, are going to crop up. Um, so I don't want to pigeonhole them into, you know, computer science yeah. and engineering because a lot of them will be good at that. But some of them are so musically and artistically um, brilliant. Um, so I think, you know, the sky's the limit.
4: (laughs) Awesome. I do. So there's a, there's
2: a, um, a convention or or, I'm sorry, a video, uh, summit,
5: spiritual video summit who, who was going to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I was approached by a physician in Texas who has a 12 year old son with autism. He's like, I have this dream of doing this autism spirituality summit so we can get, you know, people together that talk about like the bigger picture of what these kids are here Here for. Um so we have a a lineup um of twenty speakers, including Rupert Isaacson who wrote The Horse Boy, who prompted me to go see the shaman. (laughs) Um but we have this um, you know, speaker lineup to talk about some of these bigger picture things, but also to talk about what parents can do to help their kids now. Because talking about all that sort of esoteric stuff doesn't help parents in their day to day challenges. So it's sort of a combination. Um, So people can begin looking at things differently and stop seeing it as such a limiting, tragic sort of thing. Um, But yeah, November 5th to 14th, it'll be aired for free um, over 10 days.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Um, How can we find out about it? Just go to your website.
5: Um, yeah, you know, um, my website is just my name, com. People can sign up for my newsletter, they'll get information that way, or they can just wait and see. I'm going to post some things probably in the next two weeks um, to let people know. It's called Awaken to Autism Summit.
2: Nice. Now we've only got a couple minutes left, um, but April or Cerise, did you, any, either of you have a question for Dr. Labouti?
6: I don't have a question right now, but I want to say that I'm very excited to read your book and go to your website and find out all the things you do and follow you forever because you sound wonderful. (laughs) Well, and vice versa. (laughs) Vice versa. I was going to invite her to move here to Tennessee
3: so that I could (laughs) tap into her brain on a daily basis.
2: Oh, that's great. You
5: got my email address. You can tap in away. I'll be happy to (laughs) help you in any way I can.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Did you guys get, get her email?
5: Yeah. Yes, yeah,
2: I, yeah. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, well, I, I, I just want it. to my, thank my you husband. again for changing the, uh, the shape and, and, you know, the lens on, on how parents and everybody else, you know, grandparents, other people can look at, at, uh, these kids with autism and, and just like Fred said, all of our children in general, you know, to really individualize them instead of trying to make them part of the group and celebrate their uniqueness and i think you know when we do that uh and and we start to do that with one another as adults too you're going to see a different society you're not going to see bullying anymore because there's no need for it you know all that fear will be gone absolutely
4: i like how you say i I like uh, doctor how you say you don't want to pigeonhole your your kid on your child on you know what kind of job he's gonna do you know what i mean the yeah. sky is yeah. It's I think it's very important. I think sometimes as adults we just have this narrow mind mindset, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah.
5: yeah, yeah. That's that's super important for parents because um, you know, what their kids can do, um, whatever is happening now on this planet, um, you know, we may not even fathom what they could do. You know, we I are believe out of time, that. I but really what a believe- great
2: note to leave on. What a fantastic note to leave on, eh, Fred?
5: Absolutely.
2: Even the amazing things that they can do Woo. <laughs> ladies thank you so much for being our guest today thank you <laughs> listeners for tuning in to Frankie some, some more as you do each and every week I really appreciate it and we will be back again next week with another wonderful show Dr. Laboudi thank you again we appreciate you being here
4: bye bye Serizanipo thank you, you
2: so much
5: yes, goodbye,
3: bye. thank,
5: thank well, you guys bye guys <laughs> <laughs>